been looking at the I Am statements of Jesus over the last couple of weeks. We looked at Jesus' I Am the Light. We looked at Jesus when he said, I am the Light. He said, what was your one, Les, the next one? I am the Vine. That was last week. And the one in between, I am the Shepherd and I am the Gate. And this week we're looking at I am the Way, the Truth and the Life. John 14 says this. If you've ever got a Colin Buchanan CD, you'll start singing it as you go on. It gets a nice little tune to it. So I've started breaking into a semi-tune, which you may not be able to pick from my voice, but it's there. Do not yet let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you'd know my Father as well. From now on you do know him and have seen him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give you great thanks for your word. We pray, Lord, that now as we look at it and think about it, that you'll speak to us through it. Lord, that uh, you'll challenge us, uh, that you will change us. That, Lord, we won't just hear your word, but we'll respond to it with our lives. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I don't know you, but uh, one thing I've been a little bit scared of lately is sharks. Uh, sharks have been in the news all over the place and sharks have been uh, causing all sorts of different disturbances around and the other day I was out uh, surfing with the boys and it scared me because I thought there could be a shark anywhere here. Uh, We get scared of all sorts of things, don't we? Sharks are one thing that I'm scared of. You may be scared of spiders. You may be scared of snakes. I know there's a guy that lives next door to me when we found out there was a snake in the backyard behind the fence. He wouldn't go anywhere near it for a week. Well, until it was mowed anyway. It can be scary, can't it? Snakes can be scary. Uh, There's all sorts of things out there that scare us. And uh, sometimes being scared of things actually turn into something more than that, into phobias. Uh, Phobias are things that can really scare us, that we uh, fear. Uh, I don't know about you, but there's lots of phobias out here. Did you know that there are something like 50,000 different phobias that have been recorded in the world? I know a few of them. I've got a few of them written down here. Let's see whether you can pick what those phobias are. I'll start with a fairly simple one, monophobia. They can tell us what they think that means or what that's the fear of. Being by yourself, that's right. Fear of being alone. All right, what about this one, glossophobia? Glossophobia. Yep, if anyone knows Greek, glossalia. Yeah, the boys in the background, they can't hear through the door because it's soundproof and they're going like this. It's uh, fear of speaking, uh, fear of public speaking. Some people say that they fear public speaking more than they fear death. Uh, It can be rather scary, can't it? How about this one, bogey phobia? Not boogie phobia. Bogey, yeah, fear of a bogey at golf. No, no, it's the fear of the bogeyman and it's a real phobia. Some people have that. What about this one? I think we'd, get, we'd be in trouble if someone had that here in our congregation. It's called Palladophobia. 
Fear of God? No. Fear of Pilates? No. Though that's pretty scary, I must admit. Especially when you watch some of your family trying to do it. That's very scary. Pilatophobia? Fear of people? No. Fear of bald people. It's a good thing that, Benjamin, you're out the back. No one can see you. And there's a few here who go close. What about this one then? Uh, Photophobia. Ah, yeah, that was easy, wasn't it? And what about this one then? Pentherophobia. Pentherophobia, it actually is. Pentherophobia. Lots of us have it. It's the fear of your mother-in-law. Yeah. Fear of your mother-in-law. That's scary, isn't it? That can be very scary. The mother-in-law fear. Uh, there's all sorts of fears out there, aren't they? The fear of your mother, the fear of all those sorts of things, fear of bald people. But I think there's one fear, actually two fears I think we all have. It's a fear I know I have, one of them especially, and that's the fear of never seeing your loved ones again. The fear of when they go off that you may not see them, they may not come back, which I think combines with the second fear, isn't it? It's the fear of death itself. Because that's what we fear, that they go, they die, and then we don't see them again. They're two great fears, aren't they? Fear of a loved one, fear of death itself. Is there a way to remove that fear? Is there a way to get rid of that? Is there a way to know that we don't need to worry about when someone else leaves us? Is there a way to know that we don't need to fear death when it comes our way? Well, I think the passage that we've read this morning is speaking directly to both those fears. The fear of losing a loved one, which combines with the fear of death. You see, this passage, John chapter 14, comes right after Jesus has just told his disciples that he's about to die. A little back in chapter 13, if you read through that, you'll find out that Jesus explained to his disciples that in a very short period of time, he's going to die. And they have a fear of that. Their fear is that they're not going to see him again. Their fear is that three years of their life has been absolutely wasted. They've followed this bloke around the countryside and it's all gone. It's all finished. They've got this fear of missing their loved one and they've got this fear of death that they may not see Jesus again. And so Jesus comes to them and speaks to them this passage. And it makes sense when you read it, doesn't it? Because what does he say very first to them? He says, do not... Be troubled. Do not be anxious. Why don't they need to be anxious? Well, he's going to explain more of that, isn't it? I mean, it's nice to say, don't be troubled, don't be anxious. But Jesus, what do you mean? How can we not be troubled? How can we not be anxious? Well, Jesus then says, trust in God, trust also in me. Yeah, all right, all right. Yeah, we've got to trust in you and trust in in God, but you're going to die. We need more to know about it, Jesus, than that. We can't, it's not just your word. What can we have that's solid? What can we have to hang on to to know that we don't need to fear you leaving us and we don't need to fear death? Well, what does he say? He says, In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. So Jesus says, trust in God, trust in me, 
because I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. I'm going to go to heaven and get it all sorted for you. And then he paints a picture of a beautiful house, doesn't he? He paints a picture of this huge mansion. I'm going to go and prepare the rooms for you. I'm going to make sure it's all perfect for you. It's almost this picture of this big mansion, this big house with all these rooms in it and every room's got a name on the door and that door and then behind that door is a room perfectly prepared for you, perfectly prepared for those that know Jesus. It's a great picture, isn't it? He says you can trust God, trust me because I'm going to go prepare a place for you. You don't need to fear, guys. You don't need to worry. I'm going to go and prepare a place where everything will be perfect, where love rules and sin is removed, where relationships are perfect and not corrupted or perverted. It's a place where all good in this world will be and all the bad removed. It's a beautiful picture, isn't it? Some people tell us that uh, when we say we come from Evan's head, they say, oh, you come from heaven's head, do you? that beautiful place on the coast. And it is beautiful, isn't it? It's a gorgeous place to live up here on the north coast. But can I tell you now, and as I say to the people who say to me it's heaven's hell, I say, it's far from heaven. Far from it. It's beautiful, it's gorgeous. But I tell you what, you live in the place for a little while and you realise it's not heaven. People are killed in our community. People die People experience cancer. People have tragedies in our community. If you look over our last 12 to 18 months, this town has been rocked like never before that I know of with the amount of tragedies that we've seen amongst us. It's been a tough year in Evans Head. Actually from 2000, November 2000, through to only just last week, it's been a tough almost 18 months in Evans Head. It's not heaven, is it? We cry, we weep, we experience tragedy. We see that it's not perfect here. But the place that Jesus has gone to prepare for us is perfect. It has all that removed. It has the beauty that we see, but with none of the desperate tragedies that we see these days. It's a wonderful place, isn't it? And, and, and you could just see, couldn't you? You've painted this picture... And the disciples are saying, we want to go there. And Jesus says, you know the way. And then Thomas pipes up and says, hey, look, we don't know the way. Look at what Thomas says there in verse 5. Thomas says to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? I reckon Thomas is a bit like those uh, kids in the back of the classroom at school. You know, they stick their hand up every minute. They want to ask the question. They want to challenge the thing. They just want to keep putting up there all the time. Just keeps going out there. He's one of those sorts of guys. Because if you read through the Gospels, Thomas is the bloke always asking the questions. Thomas is always the guy who's never too sure what's going on. And here he asks a great question. He says, how do we know the way? How can we know how to get to this perfect place? You've painted this perfect picture for us, Jesus, but how do we get there? And Jesus' answer is stunning. And I think... It's not the answer that sometimes we expect. And it's definitely not the answer that the world paints the picture of how you get to heaven. It's very different. Look at what Jesus says. Jesus doesn't say, go to church. You notice that? Jesus doesn't say, be religious. 
Jesus doesn't even say, be good or try to be good. Jesus doesn't say, well, as long as you're not as bad as those other blokes down the road there, you'll be okay. Look at what he says. Jesus answered and said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. No one enters into my father's house that he's just painted except through me. You see, it's actually got nothing to do with what we do. It's actually got all to do with a person. It's got everything to do with a relationship with Jesus. You see, that's why we did that little illustration with the kids with the lock, wasn't it? The only key that fitted that lock was the key that was made and designed to do that. The only key that opens up heaven for you and I is Jesus. There's nothing we can do to open it up. He opens it up for us. And I'll tell you what, I actually think that's a great news because if it was left for me to try and be good enough to get to heaven, I'm cactus. Because, you see, God says that heaven is perfect and nothing imperfect can be there. And what does that mean for me? I'm imperfect I actually can't be there by myself. There's nothing, I, I can't get in, I can't do it, I can't get through the door in a sense because I'm imperfect. I'd destroy the place if it was all left to me. But the great news is that it's not left to me. It's all left to Jesus. He does it for us. We need to just take his hand and he takes us in. We need to trust him and he takes us in. I don't know whether you've noticed, but on the highways there's speed cameras and there's also cameras that check truck speed on the highway. Uh, they take a picture at one spot and then they take your picture at another spot and they work out how much time goes in between the two and then they decide whether to find the truck driver where they've been going too quickly. They've got from one spot to the other too quickly. They're actually trialling that with cars. The speed camera at McLean, I've heard, on the bridge there, as you go across the bridge, is actually trialling it with cars to see whether they're doing the same sorts of things. Uh, in one sense, it's, it's a bit scary, isn't it? They tell us that Big Brother's watching us with cameras all over the place. In one sense, it is. Uh, but it's a bit like that with God and us, isn't it? He sees everything that we do. Our whole life is before him. From our beginning to our end, he sees the whole lot. He notices everything that we do, the good, the bad, the ugly. He sees the whole lot. And just like those cameras on the bridge, if you do something wrong on the bridge, you get fined. You lose your licence. And I think that most of us at some point in time would lose our licence if that was just left to looking at our, our own lives, wouldn't it? God sees every part of our lives and we do things wrong. And it just needs to be done one thing wrong disqualifies us from entering heaven by ourselves. So we need something else, don't we? There's got to be some other way. We can't get in by ourselves. And so Jesus says, I am the way. He's the way in. You see, because he didn't do anything wrong. He did everything that God asked him to do. He lived perfectly. He didn't deserve to die, but yet he dies. Why? Because he dies to take the punishment for everything that we do wrong. Our whole track record, our whole life record is laid on him. He takes it, he rips it up, he dies and he comes back to life and says you can have a clean slate, a clean record. And my record becomes your record and now because of that you can go into heaven. You go in because of him, not because of you. 
That, that's a beautiful thing. It's not up to us. It's not up to how good we are or even how bad we are. It's up to Jesus. All we need to do is trust in him because he is the way and he is the truth. That is, what he says is actually true. Uh, if you read through the Bible, I would encourage you to do that. Read through and read what Jesus says and see if you can pick a mistake with him. See if you can knock him out. See if you can see anything that he says that he doesn't do. Because that's what the guys were trying to do with him. If you read through, lots of people were trying to pick him up all the way through. And the big one that they tried to pick him up on was the fact that he says, I'm going to die and then three days later I'm going to rise from the dead. Now, if he doesn't fulfil that, then he is knocked out. He's gone completely and he's not the truth. But the stunning thing is, when you read through it, he does come back to life. And there's lots of people who see him and lots of people who record that he did do it. And you can actually find out that he did rise from the dead and he's the only one who's ever done it. You see, he's the truth. He does what he says he's going to do. And so we can trust him. And also he's the life. Jesus said uh, in one of the ones that Les preached a couple of weeks ago where he says that Jesus is on the gate, he also says that I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. You see, Jesus comes so that we can not only live for eternity but also that we can live now. That's fantastic, isn't it? So that we can actually live life now the way that we were supposed to live life now. I'm not too sure whether I got this right, but Les said a great thing in one of his sermons. He says, I think sometimes as Christians, sometimes as people who are thinking about Christianity, we have this syndrome that says, I'm going to miss out syndrome. That is, if I trust in Jesus, somehow I'm going to miss out on life. Somehow I'm going to be diminished in what happens with me. Well, it's actually the complete opposite to that. When we trust in Jesus, we actually get life to the full. Because you and I are designed to have a relationship with God that is a loving relationship and a loving relationship with each other and Jesus enables us to do that. We can have life as it was meant to be because Jesus gives that to us. Uh, it's amazing when you read through John, if you read the rest of John chapter 14, Jesus goes on and alleviates their fear even more because the guys suddenly are finding out that maybe their fear of losing Jesus is not there anymore. Maybe their fear of death is not there anymore because they're going to be able to trust him and they'll be able to go to heaven. But their next fear is then how do we survive when Jesus has left? How do we actually live now without Jesus being amongst us? Well, Jesus gives them a great thing. In the rest of John chapter 14, he says, you won't be alone. I'll actually come to live within you through my spirit. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit to live within you. And that will enable you to live for me It'll enable you to live now the way that you're intended to be. The Spirit will guide you and direct you and comfort you and be there for you. And in those times when you're unsure about what to do, then the Spirit will work within you to show you what to do. It will work within us to change us to become more like Jesus. That's, a great, that's great news, isn't it? You know, we don't have to fear losing people we love. We don't have to fear death. We don't have to fear life because the answer is Jesus. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus says, I've come to give you life and life to the full. You can have life now 
and life for eternity. We don't need to have a fear of death. There's lots of fears out there. They range from fears that you can really imagine happening, such as sharks and spiders and things like that, to some really stupid fears that you couldn't possibly imagine anyone having, such as this one, oluophobia, the fear of flutes. Could you imagine being scared of a flute? But there's fears all out there. But the one fear you and I don't have to have this morning, we don't need to fear death. We don't need to fear life because Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give you great thanks for your word. Lord, we could just imagine your mates, your disciples sitting around you after hearing that you've told them you're about to die, just pulling their hair out and really worrying about what's going to happen. But Lord, your words that we read this morning alleviated their fear and they can alleviate our fear too. Lord, help us to trust that you are the way, the truth and the life, that you have prepared a perfect place for us, that you've made the way for us to get there through you, that you've removed our sin, our imperfection through your life, your death and resurrection. And Lord, all we need to do is trust in that. And that Heavenly Father, you don't leave us alone even then, but your spirit comes to live within us to enable us to live now. We want to thank you and praise you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen.